Last week, I showed that one-trick pony, Ronda Rousey, why I am the most dominant, the most vicious, and the most decorated woman in sports entertainment history. No one has caused Ronda Rousey more pain than me. I mean, who knew that you could dent the side of a car by smashing someone's head into it? I mean, I keep playing last week over and over in my head the sound of that screaming pony, Ron. There's the real truth, then there's the heel truth. This is your host, Ted, the Hillbilly Hill. Appreciate each and every one of you uh, for listening again this week, coming back here. Had some great feedback from last week. We had Kyle and RN of uh, the Rewind, part of the Smack Draw family. And we talked about our uh, buy, sell, and hold. So I uh, thought that was real interesting. Like I said, I had a lot of feedback on that. Y'all seemed to enjoy that episode on what heels to be on the lookout for. So got another great episode. Got some more guests from the Smack Draw family. Uh, we got Will and Allison from Bot Spots and Chair Shots. And you can find them on the Smack Draw channel of the YouTube. Um, also live on Thursday nights with the Twitch. And uh, the show goes out on all the audio platforms. So we appreciated them coming on. And this week we're going to be talking about the uh, women, especially the heel ladies of WWE. I did a, a episode a while back on the women's division in AEW, but uh, so me and Will and Allison uh, sat down and talked about the WWE's uh, women's division, specifically the Heels. Now, this was recorded before Survivor Series, so we talked a little bit about that uh, War Games match and some different things and about maybe some, um, maybe some things that may have went, you know, that we thought might would go on in that or some destinations and where some of the women are going as far as maybe heel turns and things. So um, appreciate each and every one of you. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. And remember, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Hillbilly Hill. And like I said, The Hill Truth is on all your audio platforms. Still number one in Antarctica. And Apple, if you go over there and give us a five-star review, we always appreciate that. And I like to read some of those reviews on air, so we're going to do that again for this episode. We, like I said, like to give back to y'all. And this one is from Rana Khan 2. Hope I pronounced that right. Says, just listening to newest episode about Rich Hills being a trope. Never thought of it drawing heat in that context. Thank you, Ted, for breaking it down like that. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Rana. Uh, this one's from Charmin Actor. Uh, the Rich Hill gimmick is one of my favorites. I totally agree. That's an easy way to draw heat. I highly recommend this podcast for Ted's great analysis. Well, I thank you for that. We appreciate that. You guys are what keeps us going. And when we hear those reviews, uh, me and Daniel, it just tickles us because we know that you are listening and you're giving feedback so we really really appreciate that so um as i said you got um 
find me on all the, the platforms, and I am part of the Smack Draw. And not only do they have the Twitch and YouTube and all that, they have a Patreon. So if you want to go over and check out the Patreon, uh, I do exclusive audio episodes over there. I've uh, done two in October. Uh, one, if you like the classic stuff, I did Tully and Magnum's I Quit Match. I also talked about um, the uh, last battle of Atlanta with Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich, that steel cage, which gave rise to the uh, Hell in a Cell. That was the inspiration behind it. And this month, it should be up in the next week, uh, is I just talked about the scaffold match at Starcade 86 between the Midnight Express and the Road Warriors. Just a little analysis on that, so really enjoyed that. All right, so we're going to get ready to get into this episode. Um, got a quick ad break, so just as soon as that ad's over, I'll be with Will and Allison. And we just appreciate each and every one of you. So hold on and then listen to that, and we'll be right back. First of all, all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. Not all bourbon is wild turkey, although if you ask us, it probably should be. Wild Turkey spends its barrel nap inside American oak with a number four alligator char. Now that is the darkest char, the boldest flavor. No, it's not the only way to do it, but it's ours. And we trust it. To the Hill Truth Wrestling Podcast. Uh, this is Ted. And as again, uh, in the intro, I told you I had some very special guests. Uh, part of the Smack Brawl family of... Uh, podcast uh this week we have uh will and allison from bot spots and chair shots how you guys doing i'm great ted how are you i appreciate you having us on man it's always a pleasure when we have a a chance to come on the number one podcast in antarctica yes it is yes it is we are number one antarctica uh and we appreciate you uh both y'all coming on uh and like I always do, just in case somebody doesn't listen to the end of the podcast, why don't y'all uh, give them uh, your contact info and a little bit about the show you guys do. Allison, you want to go first? Yeah, uh, you can find me particularly on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at justagirl918. Uh, I do some wrestling content, uh, a lot of just bitching about shit. Uh, but yeah, so we've got some good stuff. Uh, we do a comic that we post on the Botch Spots and Chair Shots Twitter called the Heel Support Group. So definitely goes along with you, Ted. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's cool. And I am the Will Gray. I'm the host and lead writer at Botch Spots and Chair Shots. Uh, we do our live episode every Thursday night on Twitch at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time over on the Smack Raw Podcast Network. And we also are the power behind the Indie Wrestling Gazette, which is a, a newsletter that's indie-centric for uh, specifically the indie scene around the country. All right. And uh, Will does a lot of uh, interviews, and him and Allison uh, also, uh, uh, like I said, they do a lot of content, a lot of stuff, so definitely want to check them out. But uh when to bring you guys on, I uh, did an episode several months back about the women's division, uh, the heels, the villains, or villainesses. I'm not sure exactly what the proper pronoun on that is, uh, but of the AEW. So I thought we would shoot for the WWE because uh, 
looks like the women's division is getting interesting a little bit over there and want to get your guys thoughts on stuff so uh what's your overall thoughts on the the bad guys or bad gals in wwe um i'll start out and say that up until bailey's return at SummerSlam, the women's division had kind of fallen fallen sort of flat over the last few months um you had the Bianca storyline smackdown after Charlotte left was kind of in and out. There wasn't a whole lot of stability in the division. And then once you had that heel faction come in with damage control and EO sky, Bailey, Dakota Kai, it kind of helped lay some groundwork and it kind of gave somebody for gave somebody the baby faces uh, to go against. Yeah. I'm, oh, sorry, Ted. Yeah, I'm just gonna say. How about you, Allison? Um, I, I do think that like the heels in the women's division is definitely lacking because the heels that we have, like besides Bailey and Damage Control, I wouldn't say are like real heels to me, other than Charlotte, who you know has been out. But I, this is gonna be an unpopular opinion. I don't super like from what I've seen from Bailey, like I don't super care for her. I can't imagine like her being a baby face though. I definitely think like heel suits her, but I'd like to see them take some more of these baby face women that are kind of like on that line and push them over to heel. Like I'd love to see like Alexa be more of a heel. I kind of liked that better from her. Well, while we're talking about Bailey and damage control, let me ask you guys this. Um, being a connoisseur of good heel factions, um, did do you all think they may have missed the mark at the beginning when they were supposed to come in and change everything and take over? And obviously Dakota and EO did with the tag titles, but do you feel like maybe Bailey took too many losses in the beginning or – or what's your thoughts on that? You know, because usually when you start a new dominant heel faction, they seem to, uh, I don't know, maybe win a few more matches than what especially Bailey was doing. Or did you, did you guys okay with? I personally think that Bailey is one of the few superstars in the WWE. Uh, if I said didn't need the title, um, she's one of those people who she's like a Seth or a Brock or somebody like, you know, a Kenny Omega like to, to branch into AEW, somebody who's bigger than the title. Um, so I think her taking losses don't necessarily equate to a negative, but I feel like if you want to build her up as this big, like brooding strength and heel in the, the division, I think her dropping L's early to like a Candice LeRae, however supportive that'll be down the road when LeRae comes back and Bailey has the title and she's got a win over her, that'll be great. But right now handing Bailey L's just doesn't make sense story-wise. If we want to take her seriously as a, a big contender for Bianca's belt. No. And I agree. Like, that's kind of why I said, like, I don't super care for Bailey right now. Cause like, you know, she's kind of mean, but she doesn't really seem like a heel because all she does is lose. So, like, I I haven't seen a lot from her because I wasn't super watching it what, before she was out. I think, like, as I really got into watching is when 
she got injured and was out, you know, forever. But yeah, like all I've seen her do is lose, you know, damage control, you know, lost the tiles at first, then they won them. You know, it's just eh. like, I'm not, I feel like they could, they could and should be doing way more with that than they are. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't know where they're going with it because I'm a little bit worried that, uh, you know, Bailey was supposed to be the veteran, brought these two young, you know, young girls back after, you know, they had, you know, been gone and all that. And they look up to her, but it's like they're winning and she's losing. I'm just wondering, is this going to be a quick turn to where they turn on her very quickly and then she does become a baby face again? Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen of like her baby face stuff, like I don't think it didn't seem to me, at least that people really liked her as a baby face. And like, I think that right now with Bianca, like Bianca needs a good heel counterpart, which she just, you know, Bailey is that person. They're just not building it up enough. I think as a babyface, though, when she was Bailey the Hugger in NXT, some of those NXT TakeOver Brooklyn matches with her and Sasha were just ridiculous, just straight bangers to uh, to throw a cheesy wrestling term in. Um, because her her as the the great huggy the great hugger Bailey with the the Bailey buddies and the big inflatable wailing tulip arm guys like that Bailey was a lot of fun. But when the heel turn happened, I think that she kind of established herself as that next level star. Um, so yeah. I I much prefer her as this version of Bailey versus uh, a babyface Bailey. Oh yeah, I, I definitely do too. I just I'm just curious to where they're going with the storyline. You know, with the the two younger ones winning and then her continuing to lose. Is that going to be something, or maybe I'm just too much into long term storytelling and uh, <laughs> I'm just looking for things that aren't there. Um, but Allison, you mentioned uh, Alexa, and you know you've got her, and then you've got. Also, Liv, do you see, do you guys see either one of them complete heel joining the Wyatts or any of that? Or do you think they're, you know, where do you think their direction's going maybe with Alexa? I mean, they kind of have teased sort of, you know, that Bray or whoever, you know, whoever uh, Uncle Howdy is, is kind of messing with her. And they're using, I guess, from what it appears to like Nikki Cross to do it. I don't know. I kind of like a darker version of Alexa. Like I'm not mad at this like happy baby face version, but I think like for me personally, I prefer her in that darker role. Like I'd love to see her like back with Brain. She said before like she would like to do something with him again. But then when he started coming back and all this stuff, she like made a very like angry tweet because she was tired of people asking her about it. So I don't know. I think it could definitely be interesting. I, I think it would also be cool to see maybe, I mean, even though they're on two different brands right now, I think it would be cool to see Liv and Alexa team up together and be heels together. Cause they have the same, to me, they have the same kind of vibe. 
I personally think if Alexa goes back to the Wyatt thing, that'll be a Triple H approach to it. Um, the more I learn about the character of what Bray's doing and the Uncle Howdy thing, I'm leaning more towards it being just him or him with a small group that he's going to have some sort of a feud or issue with, be it an Uncle Howdy who turns into a Bo Dallas or you know, hell, even his dad or his uncle, whoever it might actually end up being. I don't see him having a full-blown faction behind him. Um, I also know that he has very, very seldom ever gone back wholeheartedly to past gimmicks. So I think intentionally bringing Alexa back into the fold with whatever direction Wyatt is going will be counterintuitive to the character. But this is all speculation as well, because we're still only getting tiny snippets every week of who Bray Wyatt is now and, you know, in this version of it. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. It's uh, trying to figure out exactly where they're going with it. And, you know, because at first there, you know, it looked like, uh, you know, people were speculating that maybe Liv was going to be something because she was looking all dark and brooding there for a while but then it's like okay what which way are we going and like i said it may not even be a faction it may just be him he may play all six parts who knows and uh that's something that i think is keeping us on the edge of our seat because um you know i i personally have said this and i know this ain't talking about the women but i didn't really like the um uh the choice of LA not to be the first opponent, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so another question on talking about, you know, we talked about Alexa and damage control and all them on the, uh, raw side. Uh, what happens when Becky comes back? Is she going to come back as a heel or is she going to come back a face? And we're going to get her over on SmackDown and we finally get Becky and Rhonda at WrestleMania. I personally think she's going to have, a very Triple H-esque comeback when she does come back, which I would, uh, if I were a betting man, I would probably say the Rumble. Um, and that'll start the build back up to Mania. Uh, I think no matter how she comes back, she's almost guaranteed to be a babyface because of the pop she's going to get. She's not going to be able to come back and convince those people to hate her right off the bat. She was already trying, having trouble getting booze because she was so over, even as a bad guy. So I think she's going to have a very Triple H return when she does come back. And uh, I think that she'll get thrown in the mix. Um, I would like to see maybe her and Charlotte and Ronda run it back in a three-way match at uh, WrestleMania. Somehow figure out a way to get them all together and then, uh, you know, build on something on Raw with uh, – or Smack – Build it on SmackDown with Charlotte and Becky and Rhonda. Sorry, not wrong. I had it backwards in my head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they kind of teased at SummerSlam that she's making a face turn because when Damage Control came out after Bianca won and like they shook hands and whatever, like, you know, Becky came to Bianca's defense. So, you know, I think if she hadn't have had her bad injury i honestly think that it would be you know bianca becky and um oscar in you know in that little group 
instead of Alexa. Okay. So you're, Will, you mentioned Charlotte. Okay. So if, I mean, I think there's no doubt that, I mean, you know, we, we talked about this uh, last week, me and Kyle and uh, RN, uh, about Charlotte. I mean, obviously, she's needs to be a heel, but maybe change it just a little bit because it seems like it's been the same old thing. You know, I'm the queen. I'm better than you. Uh, but I guess if you did do, let's say you did the triple threat or three-way or uh, whichever way you want to call it there, uh, with Charlotte and Becky and Rhonda. Um, who do we have for or Charlotte, Rhonda, and Becky? Then who do we have for Bianca? If we're going to go the Raw side of things, um, at WrestleMania, have Becky be the big star back. She challenges Rhonda at Mania with Charlotte. <coughs> Ooh, I'm so sorry. But on the Raw side... I think this is the opportunity for us to start building from within. We start looking okay. at some of the, uh, not the the next ones up, so to speak, but this is maybe where you start looking at, you know, having, because they've got a draft coming up at the end of the year. Didn't they already put that out? Didn't they already start running the press for that? Or am I crazy? I haven't. Seen I heard it. something about it, but okay, all right. uh, I, I I actually saw one report that it may go into spring after WrestleMania, like a complete restart. Either way, I feel like there's enough talent on the roster right now setting at the tip of my tongue because I'm one of those guys, as soon as you ask me, I can't rattle their names off. But you've got Bailey. You've got uh, – when you look at somebody like a Liv or an Asuka even, they've had fantastic runs. Liv, not so much, but an Asuka, very established star. Um, she had her run in NXT that was otherworldly. So we've got established stars on the roster that could slide into that spot for a rivalry at Raw for WrestleMania. But SmackDown would be the bigger one, having the triple threat come back with Charlotte and Becky and Ronda all being on that side of the card. They also have like a ton of women that they don't even utilize. Like Dewdrop, they're kind of using like Nikki Ash some, you know, they've got Lacey. Like there's women in that locker room that we never see, even though there's birds on the card. Like they could use that time to like, build up some of this other talent instead of, you know, us seeing like the same seven girls, you know, they've missed an opportunity with Charlotte and Becky and Sasha and Naomi and all these like bigger stars being gone in the women's division to build up their women's division. Cause they have like very few heat, very few faces in the women's division. It's mostly heels. Yeah, that, that was the thing I've been trying to just, I guess, do mental uh, fantasy booking about how they're going to go. And the one that I keep thinking that they're, uh, you know, her running NXT, she, you know, and then they sort of flubbed it when she was on the main roster there at first. But um, I think uh, a good one for Bianca would be, especially as strong as they're doing her right now, is Rhea Ripley. Yeah. What do y'all think about Rhea? I think Rhea is long overdue for another shot at the title. Um, when she when she first came on, she kind of got thrown in that mix real quick to come into the title picture and have a shot at it. And I think now that she's a little bit more established, uh, she could have a good long run 
Um, I think she's going to need to get away from judgment day and that might be uh, a way to do it because I don't see them taking any belts off of bloodline anytime soon. So judgment day is not going to be a viable title contender right now in any facet. So Rhea might have to separate from judgment day, which goes into a whole different set of booking questions there, how they would handle that. But Rhea is probably one of the most viable options on the raw roster as far as a, a a highly competitive champion contender goes. She's on a very short list of people that I say are great workers, man or woman. Rhea could wrestle with the guys and still be successful. I mean, they could also use Raquel too. Like they've brought her up and not done a lot with her. And like her and Bianca, you know, are both like super strong women as well. So like Raquel, even though like she's, she's on SmackDown though, but you know, we all know that, like, the brand split doesn't really matter. It but, doesn't. you know, like, <clears throat> they're they're sleeping on all these strong women that they could be using. Like, they did that whole thing with Dewdrop and Bianca for a little bit. But, like, now we haven't seen Dewdrop in months. Uh, yeah, I read, go yeah, ahead. I read, no, I was saying uh, Dewdrop went through... I think she might be one of those people that came in under Vince or got rebranded as somebody else and is now sitting in limbo while they try to figure out the best way to convert her back. Because we saw it happen with Nikki Ash, Nikki A.S.H. going back to the Nikki Cross character. And I'm thinking that's what they might be doing for Dewdrop is more adjusting back to when she was Piper in NXT UK. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that. I was wondering if they may try to do that, too, because she's obviously got talent in the ring. Uh, You know, they sort of dropped the ball with the whole thing when she first came up. Um, So before we get to some maybe of the mid card and some of these other heels, um, what do you guys see, you know, is is Sasha and Naomi coming back? Are they coming back as a tag team? Are they coming back separate? Are they – coming back and still going to be cheered by the fans or could possibility like Naomi join the bloodline or something and maybe a split or something like that. What's your all thoughts on uh, those two? I mean, I, there's speculation like so much about, about Sasha and Naomi. Like I definitely think they need to come back. Like they've put them back active on the rosters on, on the website um they've added their images back into the intro titles where they've taken them out the only thing they haven't done is put their stuff back in the merch shop so i mean the telltale signs of them coming back are there but like several months ago sasha made it very clear that she was not taking any bookings until january so i mean I think they'll come back eventually. They need to bring them back onto SmackDown because the SmackDown women's division is, you know, super lacking because it's not just them that's missing. You know, it's also, you know, like we said before, Charlotte's been missing as well. So, I mean, I definitely think right for right now, like, and let's say like change rosters up, like SmackDown is where the women are needed. They need strong women on SmackDown. The bulk of the women are on the, you know, are on Raw currently i think that the i think that if you look at it in that perspective and were to bring them on 
into SmackDown. I, I would agree with Allison a hundred percent. I don't think that Raw necessarily needs the extra help right now, especially with their ladies being pushed into the War Games match, because that left yeah. a lot of questions with the SmackDown title in general with Shotzi going in against Ronda as it is, I think that would be a boost for the the SmackDown women's division if they were able to to go there. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and it's just one of those things we just don't know, and it's hard to figure out because, like I said, by the time the Rumble or Mania or whenever they do come back, you know, if Sasha does come back, then is, uh, you know, what's the dynamic, what's the landscape going to look like? Because uh, right now, like I said, until either Charlotte gets back or Becky or something, I can't see uh, anything happening to Ronda. Uh, and speaking of Ronda, do you, you know, she came back in as a baby face. Now I guess she's a heel now. So uh, do, do you think that she's completed that turn good? Do you, how do y'all feel about the Ronda character? I don't, oh, oh, sorry, Allison, go ahead. I don't particularly care for Ronda. I think her in-ring ability is good, but like she needs a mouthpiece because she's not super great on the mic. You know, I think that they could do a lot more with her character than they do. Like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, the only thing special about her is she's Ronda Rousey. Okay, well, let's grow her character instead of her just being Ronda Rousey. Like she has no... She has no personality in the ring other than her name. And so to me, like, she's just kind of boring. Like, they're like her, they need to update her look, you know, do some do something a little bit different with her to make her move to that sort of next level. I mean, that's just my opinion. But like, I feel like all like half the women in the the in the like half of the women that are heels like they all like they all do their makeup the same they all kind of sort of dress the same like i feel like they need to ch- change up some of these characters and definitely with yeah we all know she was a boxer great but she needs to be something else now i also think coming back off of the sasha and naomi <laughs> conversation if they come back and when they come back if they came back as two independent components and Naomi went with the bloodline and Sasha went back to being the boss, then you would immediately have two bona fide stars that have been champion and could contend with Ronda at a level that Ronda hasn't been. She hasn't faced as champion. She hasn't faced somebody above a live. Um, so having a match against, you know, throwing, if you threw a Sasha, a Naomi or a Charlotte, into the mix with Ronda, you would have a better worker guaranteed. She has a ridiculously high win rate, but her overall matches are super low considering how long she's been in the business. She doesn't do a lot of match work, which I'm not saying the work rate defines the champion by any means, but for somebody as green as she is, I would think she would be trying to work as much as she can. And I don't see that statistically speaking. And I know there's a lot of people that'll say wrestling's evolved past the need for in-ring reps, but for a long time, they said in the territories, a man wouldn't become a good pro wrestler till he was in his thirties and he wouldn't master it till he was in his forties. And there's so much in every other profession that is that way. 
I cooked for 15 or 16 years, but I didn't feel like I became a good chef until year 14, 15, 16. Like that's when I really started to feel like I had a grasp of what was happening. So if you apply that same concept to wrestling, Ronda's still green in a lot of ways in the pro wrestling world. Uh, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Sorry to, to monopolize that. <laughs> no, no, no. Because uh, I agree. I, You know, ever since she's come back, it's like, you know, you need somebody on the microphone with her. Um, I had, I mean, and I don't know, like, again, with the limited amount you have on SmackDown, I don't know who would compete against them unless if Sasha and Naomi come back together as a tag team and stayed like that. But I had a fantasy booking idea in my mind that since Ronda and Shayna Baszler are already, you know, reconnecting, um, why not, if you want to give them a mouthpiece, maybe somebody who could be, since they, I mean, haven't really done a lot with her in the ring since she got out of her uh, GM role, is what about Sonya Deville? And they all three have MMA all three of them have MMA ties. Could you not tie that in the storyline? And, I mean, hey, Sonya Deville likes to wear a suit anyway. So, you know, why not have her be the mouthpiece and just bring them out and let them run roughshod over some people? I like the idea of Sonya. What would you think about – we know we're staring down the barrel eventually of the bloodline coming to an end. So, you know, I'm talking a year from now, two years from now, however long they decide to make this. What if they decided to put Heyman with Rhonda and give her the best oh, mouthpiece? Give her the best mouthpiece in the business in the last 25 years in some cases. Let him come in and be her mouthpiece and say all the incredibly violent and terrible things she's going to do to her opponents. So all she has to do is look menacing. Let Paul Heyman be her Dana White. Oh, I love it. I mean, he would do for her just like he did for Brock. Hundred percent. That'd be interesting. I don't put like I don't know why, and this is gonna. I don't know if this sounds bad or not. I don't really see Paul representing a female though. Like it just doesn't seem like his vibe in a weird way. Like I see him like once the bloodline breaks up, then maybe attaching him to Austin Theory because they've like they've made some comments about it previously. Um. I think I think Sonia would be a better mouthpiece for them, and I think it's more so about the perspective of a man speaking for a woman, kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm not sure any everybody would be <coughs> like Paul Heyman's amazing, but like, you know. I think people would take it as, oh, she needs a man to talk for her. No, she doesn't. She just needs the best. Like, I think it would be cool, but I think I'm trying. There's a word I want to use. I can't fucking. um... But anyways, I think like the idea of Sonya would be better, but they would have to resolve the beef between Rhonda and Sonya first. Right, right. So, um, and I don't know the words you were trying to use, but since, um, are you trying to say that since uh, Raw and SmackDown both have demographics of old white men that they would just see it and be like, yeah, that's right. Talk for her. Tell her to shut up and go in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. Yes and no. 
optics that's the word optics i want to use optics um, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i feel like for for the female it would be more so for the female viewer because as a female viewer you want to see like those women empowered together so taking that away and having a man speak for a woman who's not great on the mic it just doesn't it doesn't really look good you know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, she's not good enough to speak on a mic. Let's have a man do it for her. So right, it, right. it's more of it's more of like the female viewer that I think would take it worse than um than the male demographic because the male demographic is gonna be like, oh my gosh, that's Paul Heyman. He's amazing. Like he's gonna do a good job. <laughs> It's kind of an interesting twist. Like women are super catty, and we judge you know a lot of things and maybe not necessarily in the right way sometimes but like you know it's kind of like how the female brain would work with that i think is they'd be like oh well she they think she needs a man to talk for her oh no that's a great point i would have never thought about that (laughs) That, that's a great point well we would have missed that completely that's that i was about to say the same thing i was going to say that that's one of those it didn't occur to me that that might be a concern, but as she was saying it, I was like, that makes complete sense. So using yeah. that, using that logic, yeah. Putting somebody with a, putting her with a Sonia would make perfect sense because Sonia's going to be, I can't believe I'm about to say these words. She would probably be the closest to Paul Heyman in a female capacity, unless we saw somebody like Stephanie McMahon come back into an on-screen role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what about the middle of the card there on some of these ladies? Any ones that particular stand out that you think can uh, maybe come alive as far as being a villain, or maybe somebody who's a face now that make a turn and be a a top notch heel? I one hundred percent think Shotzi Blackheart should be a heel at some point. I like the the go out there, take care of business, and be Shotzi kind of thing. Uh, But I think if they embraced that dark side, she already has the aesthetic of a heel. So I think once they let her go full-blown bad guy, I think Shotzi would be a fantastic heel, and she would be great. She's one of those uh, in-betweeners. She can be main event quality and compete for a title because she's good enough to compete for a title, but not necessarily hold the big belt. Uh, so she falls into that category as well as somebody who is the reason why I think the women's division needs a mid card title to help some of these people to, to help some of these wrestlers prepare for the world title by having a chance to be a champion that isn't uh, a tag team championship in shambles. Yeah, and like they've got you know Mia now that they've just brought in. And, you know, they've got some of these other females that they don't use, you know, like the women that were in the 24-7 division, like Tamina and Nikki. Like, they have, like, these great mid-card women, you know, that deserve sort of, that deserve, you know, mid-card women's belt. You know, that's something that Will and I, you know, preach a lot, especially me. It's like, the women need a mid-card title. You know, there's, there's a lot of women that just aren't used at all or they're used very rarely so you know we could take some of these like i said like dewdrop i use her a lot because i think she's amazing and i just never see her so meh i'm gonna talk about dewdrop a lot like she's 
she's a good wrestler and like how will puts it like she's not just a good female wrestler like she's a good overall wrestler like i want them to like fix her gimmick go back to piper and like take away this stupid dewdrop name like i just can't stand it but like they they sleep on a lot of these mid-card women that deserve some of the light yeah i totally agree again i mean you guys are hitting all the points um so we mentioned earlier what what's going to go on with Liv? i'm hoping that they branch live out and we see a little bit more character build from her now uh we know she's got that first that pesky first title reign out from underneath her uh we know she can carry the belt however questionable the booking was in some of the matches but that last last woman standing match or the 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 match with Ronda where she dropped the belt, fantastic, absolute banger of a match. Um, but I feel like overall what we're seeing from her now is now that we know she's a capable enough wrestler to be your champion, now is where we need to see her really develop who she is, um, turning the things that got her uh, the turning the things that got her over up to eleven. And figuring out how to be that woman all the time, not just in big match situations where she has the crowd at her back. Figure out how to be that version of Liv all the time now. Yeah, I I don't like crybaby Liv. Like, again, from the female perspective, like seeing her be all like crybaby about stuff, like makes her look weak. So to me, a champion that has tears drawn on her face, to me, like she comes off as as just not being like she doesn't believe in herself. She's not strong enough. Like I want them to like, you know, keep that sort of like passion in her, but like let's get rid of the crybaby situation. Like I don't want cry live anymore. Like I need strong, powerful live. Like, I can do this. I mean, to be fair, if Sasha and Naomi hadn't have, you know, temporarily bowed out, we probably have even seen live with that belt to begin with. So, like, she got a push that she may not have gotten. Now they really just need to develop her. Yeah, because as far as, uh, um, and I'm not saying there's anything, you know, like you said, from that perspective about the tears, um, you know, the only tears I ever think about in wrestling is after 92, Ric Flair, with a tear in my eye. Woo! That's the only tear I care about. But that's, that's for another episode. Well, one of the things um, uh, I want to talk about what Allison yeah. was just on real quick is Go the, ahead. Uh, the presence of having uh, that dominant champion. Um, I've said it on our show a lot, and I'll say it here. It's all about presentation. And when you look at some people, you go, they look like a champion. They talk like a champion. They work like a champion. Or some various combination of those three things together. I think mm-hmm. Liv has finally proven she can work like a champion. The problem is now she needs to convince us that she can look like a champion and talk like a champion all the time. She has to be able to finish this puzzle now, now that she proved that she can work like one, now that she has to be one all the time. Prove that you're bigger than the belt, Liv. 
Well, and, and that goes back to that old saying that if the wrestler believes it, then you will too. And, you know, and I take the Eddie Kingston promo that he did before full gear. Every time that man speaks, he believes what he's saying. And it makes me believe it, you know? And I think that may have been part of the problem with Liv was I think, you know, in her own mind, she was just so happy she got there that she didn't really believe it had happened. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you believe it, that you're good enough to be in that spot, that's where we talk about wrestlers, you know, have always talked about, you got to have some ego. And it's like, you know, yes, I'm grateful. And I thank the fans who supported me and all that, but you got to believe, you know, MJF's another one. Uh, everything he says, I think he believes it. So it's like, you know, and then even, even though sometimes, um, how can I say this? Charlotte Flair, I think, can do a promo, but sometimes, and I know maybe I'm nitpicking, but sometimes it's the cadence of the way she delivers it that throws me off. But I still think she's believable. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I oh, think yeah. what happens... Oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I think what happens a lot of times with Charlotte is that people expect her to be her father. And while yeah. I appre- like while I appreciate that she did take on some of his gimmick and I love her for that and I don't want them to like change that about her because that's what makes her Charlotte Flair. Like I don't want right. to see Charlotte Flair in another gimmick because then she wouldn't be Charlotte Flair. Flair. Like she's a flair. But I think a lot of that gets pushed onto her like, oh, well, your dad did it this way. Like they expect her to be her dad when she's not. So everybody yeah. is super overcritical about how she does everything. Charlotte's amazing. Like she is like my number one, like female goat. Like I love Charlotte. Like she's my girl. But, you know, I, I think she's great on the mic. And what you're saying, like she does need to work on her cadence. But I just I feel like a lot of people are overcritical of her because they are expecting her to be Rick. Yeah. Yeah. I think timing in the ring and timing on the mic are equally as important for each other. Uh, So echoing what you two are saying about the cadence, if you really wanted to nitpick her, I think that's would be one of the biggest flaws is sometimes (laughs) she'll she'll get lost in the crowd or get lost in the emotion and she'll allow it to, to hiccup a little bit. But that goes with everybody. I mean, I think just about anybody would do that to a certain extent. There are very few people on the mic that were flawless. The biggest difference between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels is the fact that Shawn could talk. If Bret could talk, he would be infinitely times known as the greatest of all time. But the lack of mic skills is what's always been the argument in that conversation. And I feel like Charlotte might be one of those people that fall in that same category. Not that she can't talk, but that's always been the weakest thing that she's had. Her entering work has always been far superior than her mic work. And and that was another thing that I'm curious because I want to see, because it, it seems like that from, I mean, I'm not saying they're completely unscripted, but it seems like Triple H has given them a little more leeway than, you know, maybe Vince was with complete rote memorization of lines. And I'm wondering if she came back, if they loosened the reins a little bit, 
if that would help her to where she's just not memorizing a script and she's actually just going with it. Yeah, because they give her these like super long, like anytime she's on the mic, like she's got this like super long monologue. And like with like with Vince, you know, with everything being super scripted, like I can like that can mess with somebody's cadence. Like she's trying to remember, you know, it's like, okay, I've got to say this, this, and this, and I've got to do it this way. Like look at the crowd and wait for the crowd. Like there's a lot of things going in her going through her head. I'll be interested to see when she does come back, like, because she's been gone since before Vince was gone. Um, I'll be interested to see, like, how she does under Triple H. Completely agree. Um, I think that she, she's one of those people, though, referencing what you were saying about her dad, though, playing off of that, Charlotte will always be Charlotte Flair. So whether she comes in as a, a heel or a baby face or a, however she does it, she will always just get to be Charlotte Flair. And then the crowd will either boo her for it or they'll love her for it. And that is one advantage she does have. Yeah, she's going to get a reaction one way or the other. Yeah. You know, that, that is can, the thing about it. They can play off of that. They can decide, okay, in that moment, you're a heel now because when you went out, they started booing you. Or you go out and they, they pop and it's huge. Then, okay, you need to go out there and plan B to to do the babyface side of it like you don't know and with the way she left not that she left on bad terms but she was a heel when she left and mm-hmm. like you see that comeback and you're like okay like what is it going to be now is she going to come back as a heel it's the same as becky whereas becky i feel like is a little bit more transparent becky's we know becky's going to get the pop and the cheer uh, you yeah. know, Charlotte might be notorious enough like her dad. He she could show up in another territory and get booed just because she's Charlotte Flair alone, the same way Rick did when he would show up in other places that weren't JCP or Georgia. You know, he goes out further west towards Texas and you know, some of that stuff, and he starts getting booed just for being Flair alone, whether they like him or not. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh I laughed. Um that was a thing uh that uh, Jeff Jarrett and Conrad were talking on the podcast after Flair's last match. Um, they said that uh, right up to almost right before the bell rang, Flair was insisting he wanted to be the heel. And they were, <laughs> and they were like, they're not going to boo you, Rick. They're not going to boo you. So just be quiet. Let them boo Jeff Jarrett. Just do your part. <laughs> I don't want to be you. I want to be booed. <laughs> well, that's kind of that's um, exactly what I'm saying with Charlotte. It'll be the same thing. It'll be yeah. whatever the crowd decides to give her. That's what she'll play off of. Yeah, and that's the thing. They need to be able to take that and know when the crowd's against you to play on it. Like, uh, well, the other night in the main event, I mean, they, they booed Moxley as soon as he walked on the ramp, and he just said, okay, I'm going to be the heel. And, you know, I, I honestly thought the crowd would be more closer to maybe 60-40 or something like that, but they just booed him, and he just played the heel, you know, flipping off the crowd, doing all the heel stuff. And, you know, that's, that's what you got to do with experience is just, okay, if that's what the crowd wants, that's what I'm going to give them. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to see how she uh, is treated when she comes back. Um, a couple more that I was thinking, you know, and again, like I said, there's so many baby faces or so many, um, you know, 
I guess two, I'm going to throw two in together and ask you about them. Are they going to be really getting in the ring or are they going to just be the mouthpiece slash manager type person for their prospective groups? Is uh, Now we've got Sarah Logan back and you've got Zelina now sort of filling the role that she did with Andrade uh, years ago. So what do you think about Sarah and Zelina? Do you want to tee this one off, Allison? I know you have something to say about Sarah. Um, I'm unsure about Sarah Logan because they – 100% ripped off her gimmick from Maxi Impaler from Impact Wrestling. Like, Twitter went nuts about how much they ripped off this new gimmick. Like, to the hair, the paint on the face, the clothes. So, like, um, I feel like I don't want to give an opinion on Sarah Logan until they fix that gimmick because that is 100% gimmick infringement and not done well. It's like the wish version of Maxi Impaler. Like, I think they could do something cool with it. Like, I love that they're building these, like, multi-gender factions. I think it's cool. But they, I I worry that these women that are in these these factions are going to just be these mouthpieces and we're not going to get ring time. Like it's almost like they're kind of going back to the days of the valet, which, you know, women's wrestling has greatly evolved from that. Like, it's fine if somebody wants to do that, like, Hey, I want to be involved, but I don't really want to get in the ring. Like, whatever. I'm not like, what is it that Will says? I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum, but to take these women out of the ring and and have them be these valets like i'm not super here for it like i think rhea ripley in the judgment day is cool but like she hasn't had a real match in forever and she's so talented you know like zelina is not like the best but i mean they're still taking like quality in-ring talent away so unless they do something where they're going to have like an intergender tag title or something where you know these factions have women's matches in them and not just you know the men's matches like i'm not really here for this continuation of let's just randomly add a female to these factions but to play devil's advocate and chime in right at the end of that though I appreciate the fact that they are bringing in more of that inner gender side of wrestling. I like the addition of Zelina Vega and, um, uh, well, what is the the name of the group? Um, I had a brain fart. I can't remember the name of her group now. Uh, with Santos Escobar. Los and, uh, Lotharios? No, no, Los Lotharios. No, uh, no Dale, Dale Fantasma. Um... El Phantasma or something? What is it? <laughs> this is so bad that none of the three of us can ever remember the uh, group. But it's Santos Escobar's group. I like the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the ability to add a female to that group, whatever their name is. Um, La Liga de Fantasma? Yeah, something, like. fan, something Fantasia Disney. <laughs> whatever the case Mickey is. Make, Mickey makes the mops and the brooms overflows. I saw that when I was a kid. <laughs> I like the fact that they're adding these females to Legado it. Legado del Fantasma. Legado del Fantasma. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was I was half there in English and half there in Spanish. Uh, but the point is, I like having the females be there because it gives you that that old school go and fight feel. Because if there's two or three guys and a girl squaring up against two or three guys and a girl, that means both those ladies have to be ready to you know square off if it comes down mm -hmm. to it. Someone that I think does not get credit for actually starting this in WWE is B-Fab. She was the first one in sort of this era to be, you know, that female voice for a men's faction. Like nobody else was doing it when Hit Row started. And now they're adding a bunch of others just like it. Um, can I run back to the Sarah Logan thing real quick? Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you're passionate about this. And I know Twitter was passionate about this, but, and yes, it was gimmick infringement, but you know what? I loved it because if, if Twitter would have been around in the eighties, then none of these groups would have gotten off the ground because there was so much <laughs> gimmick infringement. I mean, uh, I just recently, uh, uh, Last week's episode, uh, I put the promo for Ric Flair um, in the uh, I've spent more money on spilt liquor than you've made in a year and, you mm -hmm. know, having a hard time keeping these alligators down. And that promo was cut at Nature Boy Buddy Landale, who was the wish version of Ric Flair who came into Jim Crockett. And it was obvious that that was gimmick infringement. But you know what? Hey. Back in the day, I mean, you had the Midnight Express, then you had the Rockers, and then you had the Fantastics, and you had, uh, you know, you had all these groups that infringed off each other. Now, you know, I will admit, uh, she did with the, Express, the heavenly bodies. Like, you could go on yes, for days on these guys. Days. And I do admit, you know, she did sort of paint herself up to look identical, but, um, I'm all for some gimmick infringement. Matter of fact, if I was Triple H, I would be trying to sign, you know, the original. Try, sign the Impaler. Bring her in. Let her and Sarah Logan go after it, you know. Uh, I think that would be neat. But uh, I, I guess, again, that goes back to my territory mind where I used to see this stuff all the time. So, you know, I mean, Flair, Nature Boy, <laughs> Buddy Rogers, he admitted he stole his look of wearing a suit all the time on camera from Nick Bockwinkle. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. But uh, I'm glad that uh, – I guess the thing that made me the happiest with the Sarah Logan thing is it showed that there are people watching Impact besides the hardcore fans because it seemed like there was more people on Twitter uh, going off about it than they actually have in the ratings that watch it every week. And I'm not saying that bad because I like Impact, but it was like, man, let's let's do more of this. Let's get it. You know, it's like, uh, uh, yeah, you, you know, and I know we're not talking about NWA, but, you know, uh, that's the most press they've gotten in a long time here in the last couple of weeks with uh, Billy Corgan and uh, talking about their women's division and Nick Aldis and Tyrus and all that. It's like, Wow, people are really interested in the NWA now. So, uh, you know, it's just I just wanted to throw that out there that yeah, you know, gimmick infringement's been around a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's 
you know, it's obviously like prevalent now because, you know, it gets called out because, you know, of social media and things like that. Like, I get like, I mean, I don't know if you can, you can't, I guess, really copyright like a look, but come on. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Right there. Actually, you can. Can you? Danhausen and Sting have both copyrighted their face paint. Hmm. Yes. Uh, there is a, have you heard of the gimmick attorney? Uh-uh. Have you heard of him, Will? I have not, no. Okay, Mike Dawkins, he's a good friend of Conrad Thompson, and he's been on some shows. He was actually on a, a Jericho podcast a few months ago. He was like a copyright trademark lawyer, and he loved wrestling. And he saw all these – he said it started with the WWE. He saw these wrestlers leave, and they couldn't take their name or their gimmick with it. So he started getting a couple of wrestling clients, he quit his practice, and that's all he does now. Hmm. His trademark gets wrestlers trademark stuff, uh, so that their look, everything that they can get, actually trademark and be a thing for them. So, because uh, I, you know, I don't know how many WWE wrestlers he's worked with, but I know he's worked with Jericho and a bunch of uh, uh, AEW guys. But that was one of the things he had just. Uh, gotten Sting and Danhausen was that their actual face paint is now trademarked. That's cool. Max uh, should give him a call and copyright her gimmick and then sue WWE for stealing it. There you go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, even my catchphrase, there's the real truth, then there's the hill truth. I took that from Arn Anderson. And if he ever listens, I'll probably get sued and have to change my catchphrase. But, you know, hey. It's the the best part about it is also playing off of what you were saying is uh, in the territories. If a promoter were to see something that was getting really over in another territory, you better believe they were going to try to figure out a way to copy what they're doing or to get somebody who looks similar or is built similar or works similar. And they'll try to, to emulate and do the same stuff. Um, and then it got even as bad as towards the end of it, especially when Vince came down in 83 and 84. Uh, it got so bad that they were already like, uh, it wasn't gimmick infringement, but Vince was coming down and just going, okay, we want you, we want you, we want you. And then, you know, the Ole Anderson and the Briscoes down in Georgia or the guys in Florida or the Von Ericks in Texas all were scrambling to try to, to correct the the path, they had to replace all these stars that were getting taken up into New York and Connecticut. So they were copying oh, yeah. gimmicks just to replace the guys that were getting taken to other territories. And uh, and speaking of that, that 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 lawyer, that Mike Dawkins, that was another thing. Do you know after all these years, no one copyrighted or trademarked the Four Horsemen symbol huh. and phrase? That's interesting. Because Arn just got it this year. He owns it now. Arn Anderson. I was about to say, Allison, put that in. We need to get that on paper then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Arn, Arn got it just this past year. So now that uh, classic symbol of the four horse heads uh, that you see and all that, he owns the trademark for it. But all these years, no one had done that or even tried. And uh, 
again, that was that Mike Dawkins that got there for Arn because he, he talked about it on his podcast. So now when he sells on his uh, pro wrestling tees and stuff like that, if he sells four horsemen merchandise, it's all his. And if anybody else tries to sell it, uh, they're going to have to pay a little revenue to Arn. Interesting. So a, so a new Smacked Raw money-making scheme would be to find what what old things that are still used are not copyrighted and then copyright them. Allison, yep, don't say that, do that. that on a recorded episode where other people can get your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, not to say that I've already filed a trademark for Smack Raw and bot spots and tear shots, but I mean, you know, it's out there. Well, the thing about that is <laughs> you can't file a trademark and copyright for botch spots and chair shots because I've already done that. Technically oh, okay. speaking, you got me on that one. Technically speaking, me she owns one. me and the and the website. <laughs> okay. But you can't tell me Kyle and Ari in a trademark smack draw yet. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Probably not. I'll jump I'll jump on that and charge them money. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we've gotten way off track here. Let me come back. Another one I had to, um, uh, was going to ask about was, um, okay, I, and, you know, they brought her in. They were going to bring her as a face, heel. Right now, she's sort of in limbo. Um, what do y'all think of Lacey Evans, and what should they do with her? I think that they tried really, really, really hard to amp her up and push her before like she came back and nobody wanted it i don't know a ton about lacy um but whatever they're doing with this gimmick people don't seem to really like it so i think that they need to pivot i think the the ex-military card can get you so far we've seen them use it with bobby lashley and be successful i think lacy evans biggest thing is it goes back to something Ted talked about early in the episode, and that's confidence. I feel like there's sometimes Lacey Evans lacks confidence in who she is in the ring, on the mic. So I think if they gave her a little bit more freedom to be herself, that's where Lacey Evans could excel. But right now we see a lot of Lacey Evans inside the WWE system. Not a lot of who Lacey Evans is if she got a chance to be herself. Yeah, like I yeah. definitely think that they could they could use this military background in a different way. Cause here's the thing. Showing like all her amazing like military photos and promos, awesome. But then to have her coming out in a slutty military outfit, like that just kills that whole vibe. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to like be sexy, like I'm here for it. But like to make like a sort of slutty version of like a military outfit, like I'm just, it's just, no, like that's not cute. Like pick, pick a road, like be the sex pot or be sort of like this badass military girl. Like those, a lot of times, like you can mesh the two things, but I think the way that they've done it, it's not cute. Like, it's just, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't need to see, like, your hips 
in your bodysuit with your, you know, your camo pants on. Like it's it's not cute. Okay, know. I've got I've got a I've got a character change for her. Uh, can we <laughs> can we go back to Sergeant Slaughter and have Lacey just say, "Well, if you people aren't going to respect me for America," and then she joins up with Gunther and them and says she wants to be and, and sort of be like Alana and uh, Rusev and and that can we do that? Or is that a stupid idea? I love that idea. And I think that is right up the alley of throwing it out there and just like giving her a chance to be the F you, I'm going to do whatever I want way to do it. That would be the perfect like disguise on being able to pull that character off would be like, go out there and just be you, but do it under the, the idea that nobody wanted you when you were at your best. So now you're going to come out at your worst or something cheesy, you know, like, let her really turn it up that way. I mean, even if they did adapt her like into a U.S. into a you know a U.S. military version, you know, and let her do like well, she is, but you know what I mean. Like take take the idea of Sergeant Slaughter and adapt it to a female personality, like, and not have her with like Gunther and all of that, but like just have her as that. Like that would be cool. But I don't, you know, to me, like. Again, it's the same thing like with Liv. Like, I don't want this crybaby crap. Like, right. like, you want her to seem like a strong female, but, like, you're having her, like, cry and, you know, like, there's a point to being, like, vulnerable that is strong. But then there's, like, it's a fine line over it. And then, like, it, it's almost like they're trying to make her look weak. And it just, and, I mean, whatever they're doing with her, it's just not, it's just not working. Like, I and see, that, that was, and that was the thing when she first come back and cut those first emotional promos. And it's like, okay, we're going to go with this military background. And I guess, again, this is my old school mentality. I immediately thought, okay, is Vince going back to the well and going to make some money and let her be? a proud military to show young girls that they can serve in the military and maybe even strike up another deal with GI Joe. Imagine the merch you could sell. Yeah. Like that'd be super cool, but they can't do that with what they're doing with her now. Right. Yeah. All right. Is there any other, you know, cause I've got the roster and I've got it looking and Lord, we've just about hit everybody on it. I, some reason I thought there was more women, but they really, they really, they really, uh, you know, unless if they start pulling up from, okay, yeah, let me, let me bring that. Is there any heels from NXT? And I don't know much about NXT because I really don't watch it. Is there any heels that you think are maybe getting ready to get a call up that you think would be uh, good personnel added to the women's roster that might could help it on the villainous side or? Mandy or maybe Rose. they need to be on the baby face side. Mandy okay. Rose, 100%. I think the character development that she's had as a heel and the leader of Toxic Attraction as the NXT Women's Champion, setting that record and being the longest reigning, like you go through the bells and whistles of who she's become since she went back to NXT, and she had a very thin Balor approach to that return. She didn't go back to NXT. She went 
home to NXT. She went back to that more traditional side of wrestling and moved away from the entertainment side. She embraced character growth. She embraced in-ring coaching. And now Mandy Rose is one of the most dominant females on the roster. So when her NXT, her historic NXT title run is done and she gets called up to the main roster, I don't see any problem at all with her immediately being a plug and place heel uh, against you know, uh, a Ronda or whoever takes the SmackDown title or a babyface Bianca. She could be in either of those places in both of those pictures. I agree. Like, I really hope when she does move up to the main roster that they keep doing what they've recently been doing and not changing the gimmick from NXT to main roster. Because I think, like, if they did anything to adjust her gimmick, like, she will lose so much of what she has built. Like, she just needs to transition her current character into the main roster. All right. Well, um, before we finish up here, what's your predictions on the women's side of this war games? Which, by the time this goes out, it'll already be over. But uh, anyway, let's see if you got it right or not. (laughs) I'm going to go with the heels. Um, I think that this starts the build on the road to WrestleMania for – Bailey and Bianca and whoever else they add into it to build the rumble. This is the last pay-per-view that we have until uh, Royal rumble in January, I believe. Uh, no. Yeah. They yeah. took a December pay-per-view off, right? There's not one in uh, yeah. December. So it will be Royal rumble will be the next pay-per-view. Um, so I'm looking forward to this long build to the road, to WrestleMania. And I think that, uh, That'll be the the direction it'll go. The Hills will win. And then from that point on, it'll be the build for the tag titles and the world title picture between the champions and damage control. No, I agree. I think Bailey has gone too long now without a win. Like if they don't, I think honestly, if they don't give her a win here, like, it's really just going to make this story, like, super stale. Like, for me, it's already getting kind of stale because, like, it's just Bianca and them. Well, at least just Bianca. Like, just constantly dominating Bailey. So, like, you know, I definitely think that it's, the heels are going to win because it's time for, for Bailey to get a win over Bianca. Oh, I absolutely agree. I, I'm, I think the heels should win and, uh, like you were saying there, they need to let Bailey do something and then start this build to and uh, WrestleMania because it's getting that time of year where you got to start building some of that stuff. All right. So is there any other last thoughts about the WWE women's division, uh, heel or face, just in general, how you think it's going? Uh, what, you know, maybe some, you know, something we haven't covered that you think can be improved or how you guys uh, – I've got one thing that I want to throw in and it's kind of a curveball, but I believe it's next year when Deanna Parazza becomes a free agent, they need to throw everything they have to bring her back to, to WWE. I think she would be a fantastic uh, counterpart to go against like a Liv Morgan or an Asuka. Uh, we know she can work with the the bigger stature because she's I don't want to say short but she's she's got a kind of Alexa Bliss syndrome um she's a little bit shorter in stature compared to like a Charlotte or a Rhea but I think her in-ring ability is something that she can bring in to really elevate that division so in 
next year or 2024, MJF won't be the only dominant free agent in wrestling. Somebody like a Deanna Peraza could be one of those people that could really change the face of the women's division for WWE in a positive way. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, what they really need to do is, you know, like I've said a couple of times, like they need to grow and develop like their mid-card talent, heel, face, whatever, and, you know, actually give these ladies, you know, airtime. Like, let's, you know, let's do something with these powerful women that you have on your roster instead of just like, oh, let me give the women, you know, a 10-minute slot on each show. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so much more that they could do, and they have they have the roster to do it. They just need to give them the time. It's definitely gotten better since Triple H has been back. I just hope it continues to grow and they bring in some new talent to help grow it even more. Oh, absolutely. I definitely agree with both of you there. I think Deanna Peraza would be a – a great pickup for uh, anybody, uh, to be honest with you on that. And uh, um, as you said, giving them more segments, uh, you know, I know that's one thing we've, uh, um, you know, a lot of people also complained about AEW, the the way the women's segments are and things like that. So uh, it's something that they definitely, both companies need to look at and, uh, you know, give them some storylines, give them some uh, quality time on TV and not just uh, the uh, obligatory match or obligatory segment or whatever just to, to do that. So, well, guys, this has been fun, and I really appreciate y'all coming on. So uh, before we check out here, uh, y'all want to give them some information again for those that stuck around and maybe missed the first part of it. Ladies want- first. Um, you can find me, the boss bitch, Allison Siegel, at t- Just a Girl 918 on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Um, we'll be dropping a new heel support group comic here in the next couple days on the Botch Spots and Chair Shots Twitter. So give us a like and a follow and all the things. <laughs> And I am the Will Gray host and writer at Botch Bots and Chair Shots. Uh, as Allison said, remember to like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, and subscribe again anywhere you do anything on the internet. I'm going to steal some of Ted's thunder while we're here on Smack Raw and say, leave a five-star review because he hasn't said it yet, so I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> Absolutely. We love five-star reviews. We uh, uh, you know, uh, like to read them out and give some support back and uh, – also, check out the SmackDown Patreon while you're at it. Uh, and, uh, you know, check out some of the content there. Uh, like I said, and then you got the Rewind with Kyle and RN. And, uh, you know, Mind the Heel Truth because you're listening to mine. So that's, you already know about it. Um, but uh, we really appreciate uh, you guys coming on and uh, joining me here for this conversation, which uh, a lot of times, you know, I feel like uh, we don't talk about enough in the, uh, the podcast world. So I was glad to have y'all on and we could talk about this. So uh, until next time, there's the real truth. Then there's the heel truth.